0: Welcome to the Pat on Fin Podcast, everybody. It's your host, Ricketts. I'm here with Dieter Melhorn of Dieter Melhorn Fishing. If you guys don't know Dieter, he's a real popular uh, cat fisherman out there. He's got a great YouTube channel, 21.47,000 followers. Am I right? Are you
2: serious? I don't know. I don't keep up with it that much. I looked a little bit
0: ago, 21,000. I know it's 21,000 very change.
2: Very good. Yeah. I actually don't look at subscribers. I actually look at what the views are doing, and that's what I kind of that's always been my saying subscribers are for your ego and views are for your bank account. So that's kind of, that's like the people are watching. So
0: let's touch base on that too. I think a lot of people like to know that for sure. So yep. welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you coming on, man. I know, uh, I'm excited for this one. Um, it's kind of surreal cause we were just chatting before we went live here. And, uh, since I started this segment getting all the catfish guys on here, you know, a- as a, as a, I'm an amateur catfisherman or a catfish angler. I guess we're going to be correct about it. But anyway, uh, so everybody watches you guys on YouTube for tips and tricks. And here I have, you know, the opportunity to sit here with you personally. I have your personal cell phone number. So for me, it's kind of like it's kind of surreal. You know what I mean? It's hard not to be a little starstruck when you see all the big names and stuff. So I greatly appreciate you coming on, man, with with all of our guests. Tell us how you got into this sport. Like what drew you to it?
2: yeah i mean i guess like a lot of people I, I started out fishing as a kid with my dad and you know fishing on the riverbank and it was like the the, the progression of anybody fishing you just want to catch one you want to catch a limit you want to catch the biggest and when i got to that biggest stage catfish was about the biggest thing we had in freshwater we've got some big carp uh matter of fact i think the world record buffalo is from my home lake Oh, but no kidding. Yeah, catfish are the, you know, that's that's the big ones. And uh, when I was young, we didn't have them like we do now. Uh, back then, 8, 10, 12-pound channel catfish was big. Yeah. And uh, with the introduction of uh, blue catfish and then the flatheads, we've got bigger and bigger fish. And, yeah, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, I started really pursuing big catfish. I was still fishing for them and was sitting on a riverbank one day fishing because I was bank fishing. And I remember uh, I I told my wife this. I was sitting there fishing, and I seen a boat go by. And just like when I was a kid, I looked and said, I'm going to get me a boat one day. (laughs) And like five seconds later, I go, dude, you're a grown man. You can go get a boat right now. I reel my stuff in. We went to Bass Pro Shop, of all places, to buy a boat. Uh, And ended up what every man gets that gets permission from his wife to get a boat got a pontoon boat and oh uh, man (laughs) that's that's, uh way it always starts out honey we're gonna go out on the boat and then you
0: got a sweet talker and sell her on the benefit of that huh
2: yeah six months later she doesn't care about going on the boat and you're stuck with a party barge. so but yeah that's kind of the progression and from there it got more and more into targeting big catfish and trophy catfish so that was kind of the Rapid, uh, elevator pitch on how that happened.
0: So when I started interviewing guys on here, one thing I found out is most interesting to me is how in depth catfishing really is because there's a general idea that you're throwing a huge chunk of bake out there, soaking it, drinking a few beers, catching a sunburn, trying to catch catfish. That seems like that is how that is looked upon now. It blows my mind that it's actually very more intricate than that. And it's just as complicated as bass fishing. So walk us like if, if you're if you're a beginning, if you're a beginner catfish, when you listen to this podcast, walk us through some steps, some techniques, spawn, post spawn. How how do you pinpoint these big trophy catfish? Because you've caught monster. And not only that, but we're gonna talk about your last YouTube video where you caught a monster on six pound test line.
2: Oh, yeah. That was cool.
0: That, that was, was really cool. So, yeah, yeah, just go ahead and walk us through now
2: that. You, you summed it up really well. It, it, I think most people, when they start out fishing for catfish, put a chunk of something on there. That could be anything from a piece of bluegill to a marshmallow. Throw it on the bottom and sit back and hope something bites. And that'll work. That's a great way to start. But like you were saying, it, it as you start to target the fish it gets a lot more specific and you really start getting into electronics structure scan size scan starts to come into play there's a lot of structure fishing we do that is similar to drop shotting for bass on you know where you're sitting there looking on your sonar dropping baits around structure and stuff trying to hit those fish in front of them uh, yes. especially when you have inactive catfish they do just like bass when you see them suspended generally they're going to be inactive you may see some huge massive arches but getting them to eat is tough you have to pretty much interesting yep you have to hit them in the head and what's funny is i learned <clears throat> a lot of this stuff from watching bass fishing shows i still watch those shows religiously right because there's a lot of good information in there that crosses over with what bass guys are doing for instance when they're fishing on lake murray during the bass master classic a few years ago they were talking about what the blueback heron were doing where they were spawning at, points, points, all that kind of stuff. Ding, ding, ding. Guess what? Whatever month that is happening there, blue catfish are also up there feeding on those fish. So there's a lot of crossover. Uh, Sadly, some of the blue catfish are feeding on some of the bass that are in there too, along with the flatheads. But it has gotten very technical, uh, especially when it comes to the trolling, drifting, dragging, whatever you want to call it, with basically moving your boat and pulling baits. That's almost a crossover into the walleye world, the way they troll for, you know, fish. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's more to it. And, you know, it's one of those things that can be very, very simple, or you can make it as complicated as you want. And, you know, the more complicated it gets, the more frustration, the more money. And that's one of the big things we're seeing in the catfish world that the bass world saw 30 years ago is that, as more and more people get into it especially in the tournament side it gets more and more competitive everybody wants to do better and better you know everybody now is running around you know <clears throat> hds 12s the big you know yep, yep. units a lot of guys are running two of them because they're too lazy to look over their shoulder at what's in front of them when they're looking out the back of the boat so they've got <laughs> one up here uh everybody has we don't use the foot pedals like bass guys we usually have a, um, eye pilot hanging around our neck so that we can control the trolling motor from different parts of the boat. Yeah. Um, uh, power poles. That's another thing that's really nice for shallow water fishing. You roll up into, there's a lot of times we're targeting fish in two, three, four feet of water. It's nice to take a trolling motor up in there, drop down a power pole and, or two of them usually, and you know, fish. So it's gotten more expensive. You got to get to the holes quicker. Guys are getting, bigger motors, you know, it's, it's the same path. It's, it's, it's the same path, just a bigger fish and, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe less frustrating. There's more of them. I think they're easier to catch than bass are generally speaking. Uh, Mm -hmm. we don't have, you know, the sight fishing that you do like you do in bass fishing, but there's some comparisons and, uh, it's starting to go down the same path.
0: Yeah. I can kind of see that too. Suspending catfish, why are they inactive? Why would you consider that active? And the reason I'm asking is because the last mm-hmm. time I went out was mm-hmm. this past weekend. And it was my first time out this year. And I was testing out the new the new setup. And I, I was marking tons of them. I was marking them on the bottom and I was marking them suspending. And then they were rolling on top water eating small shad. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I couldn't get them to hit nothing. Bluegill, shad uh, what else? Skipjack, you can skipjack too. And they just, they had nothing to do with any of it. And, uh, so I'm real curious of why they don't hit when they suspend.
2: That I don't know. I know bass yeah. do the same thing. I don't know if they are just hitting a perfect water temperature. Uh, maybe there's a certain amount of dissolved oxygen they like at that level. Maybe it's worse down in the bottom part of the lake. Um, uh, yeah. maybe they just feel comfortable with cinnamon. but it seems like any fish, that when they start to go on the hunt and outside of pegging on, you know, a bait ball, it's like, they're kind of like being near something that they can ambush out of or come out of. So, but I don't know, I've got a video up. If you dig through my channel, I forget what it's called. We found these massive arches for years and it was always in January, February, huge arches, perfectly shaped. It showed that they were sitting still. They were not moving. There was no, you know, weight ripple coming off of them. And several of us fish these things year after year, just vertical fishing over them, trying to hit them. Never could catch one. And we tried throwing a cast net, but they were down deep enough, the net's closing up. And I finally yeah. caught one last year, and it's in one of my videos. I'll go ahead and tell you what it is. I usually make people go watch it, but it was actually alligator gar, or not alligator, uh, long nose gar. And oh, no kidding massive schools of them that were sitting there and they kind of become inactive when it's cold and they would just sit there eight, 10 feet off the bottom, just hovering, not moving. And finally dropped a camera down on a clear day and got some shots of them. So yeah, it must just be something with fish when they just say they get their swim bladder right where you're just sitting there and they just go, I'm just going to chill for a while.
0: It's just their comfy place on the couch, huh?
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, what bait? What What's your go-to bait? I see you throw everything from cut-up chicken breast to, you know, shad, bluegill. The, 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 the cut-up chicken breast, you do some damage on that, too. And, it, and it's kind of funny because I'm looking like, I'm never going to use chicken breast. But here you are. You go out there and you catch them.
2: Yep. I just taped, sitting right here, is the five lies about catfish bait. And I, I actually taped that before we came in here and did this. And yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that will work plain and simple. I mean, like you said, you can catch them on everything from hot dogs to marshmallows to actual bait. I and never heard
0: the, of marshmallows. That's,
2: Yeah, uh, there's, there's me, concoctions bro. with rolling that <laughs> in garlic powder and Jello and all kinds of stuff. But let's face it. Uh, same thing with chicken liver. It's like I tell people, have you ever seen a chicken run up to the river bank and expel its liver into the water? No, you haven't because it's not natural. My point is, natural works best. You, yeah. It's just like with bass fishing. Um, you know, if you're throwing crankbaits or something, it's nice to have something that looks like blueback hair or looks like bluegill or something that is in, you know, that that water that you're fishing. And yeah. whatever you can get out of the water of where you're fishing is what I tell people to start with. And if that means catching bluegill on some red worms, that's that's – I'd call it working up the food chain. Same thing I do when I go saltwater fishing. I start at the bottom trying to catch something, then get something bigger to eat it, and then take that bigger something and throw it out for shark bait to catch the apex predator. So that's kind of my take. They'll all work. Uh, You know, I've always said the best bait, if you were going to put me in a helicopter or a jet, blindfold me, fly me somewhere, not tell me where I'm going, and drop me in the water and go, you got to catch a catfish you only get to take one bait, it would be gizzard shad because they're widespread. They're pretty much anywhere in pretty much most of the waters that catfish inhabit. And it's a good universal all-around bait. Interesting. Part, yeah, the bad part is if you're a bank fisherman, they can kind of be hard to catch because you got to catch them with a cast net. so yeah. That can be kind of limiting. But yeah, gizzard shad the one. And then, I mean, I catch them on, in North Carolina, we can actually use game fish. If they're caught on rod and reel and they meet the length and krill limits, so okay. they'll eat they'll eat striper chunks. They'll eat. To the guys that fish Lake Norman north of here, it's loaded with spotted bass and every one of them's that long. And oh, no kidding! They tell me to kill every one of them. I mean, there's just so many of them. So wow. I keep I keep the legal limit of those things and use those uh, for bait, but. You know they'll they'll hit about anything bluegill another good bait that you can use. We got white perch here uh, that have become landlocked, and we've got those things. So a good little covering fish. Start with fish, and then go to the grocery store baits, as we call them.
0: I would have thought bluegill for a universal bait. One, I mean, you can find those too, and they stay alive forever.
2: Yeah, so. uh, yeah. the 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 one thing with bluegill is there's some states where it's illegal to fish with them. So, no kidding,
0: I didn't know yeah,
2: that. Yeah, yeah. There's actually some places I wanna say Minnesota, or there's a couple of states that won't let you fish with them. So they won't let you use any game fish. So
0: wow, um, I did not yeah, know that.
2: Yeah. So,
0: so a buddy, uh, a guy we know we did a podcast with, he lives up in, I think it was Wisconsin. He caught a huge pike, um, felt something hard in his stomach, and they thought maybe it ate like a pop can or something weird. Um, so they start to flay it and they cut it out, and a nine inch bluegill popped out of its stomach and started flapping on the table. And it was out of the water for six hours, this fish was. So <laughs> that, that you can actually check out on YouTube. Um, it, it went viral. That's that video crazy. went viral. Yeah. And that that's crazy. crazy. So yeah, they live throughout everything. I know it's one of my favorite baits too, because if I'm on a kayak, I don't have the filtration system that the big boat, uh, bait tanks have. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Which that may be changing because I'm, I um, may be working with somebody to get that change and prototype, a uh, something like that for a kayak. But, um, and this just the bait that stays alive, man. You know, yeah. it just stays alive no matter what. Now shad, I, I, it's really hard. I can only put a, a few of those in my bank take, Um, before they get all red-nosed and and belly up on me and stuff. Yeah,
2: that's the thing. They usually want some kind of rounded edge because they will smash into the sides of the things. And that's the thing with, you know, you guys in kayaks, it's a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher to keep bait and, you know, keep stuff alive. So uh, a lot more of a challenge. I admire you guys getting out there and doing that.
0: Man, it's it's a different type of fishing, Um, but the kayak world is evolving towards the same comforts as the big boat world right yeah uh because now we're we have electric motors and, and you know everybody's outfitting their boats with electric motors so it was kind of funny I, I spoke i think it was one of the live videos we did but uh it, it's coming for a full circle because there's big boat guys that want to go to kayaks because it's a lot easier and so they get in the kayak and they're like well i can modify it and do this and, this and this and this the next thing you know they're back into a motor and got every gadget they could possibly think of on their kayaks and, and it's just a miniature version of what they already had but yeah um i know i I've, i'm huge into it i've been kayaking for a long time I'm, I'm gonna have a motor on mine this year as well i got chris souder's chomping out the bit to get on one too you know so we're gonna make that happen i'm gonna go out and fish with him a little bit but uh, you ever thought about kayaking, or is it just not your bag?
2: I have. Uh, I actually had a kayak company reach out to me about doing something on a kayak, and I kicked it around. here's my problem, and I, it, it's, it's what you just said is when I get it, when I go do it, i'm I'm just not one of those persons that's gonna go in there and go, okay, well yeah, that's kind of fun. I'll just fiddle around with this. The next thing you know, I'm going to be buying a sonar unit, some type of motor. I'm going to be, and it's going to just turn into another expensive habit. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm trying to rein myself in from doing it. Uh, at first, I said, well, I'm too fat to get in a kayak. Well, then I lost weight. And then they tell me that, you know, I, 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 one guy sent me some pictures of these kayaks, you know, standing up in, rocking back and forth, and nobody's oh, falling yeah. out of them. So I can't use that excuse anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think I'm going to stay away from it for a while for my, just my own finances. And, yeah. uh, but who knows, dude, some of the places I do look at places that you can't really get a boat into without push pulling it or something. And I go, man, that'd yeah. be really cool to get into with the kayak. Uh, there's some creeks and backwater that places that have another mile of fishing that you can't get to because of that slowdown in the discharge from a Creek mouth where the water is only, you know, eight inches deep. Yeah. But <clears throat> you could walk a kayak past that and then have another mile of fishing up through there. And, you know, who knows what's in there? Some of the rocky areas um, that we've got below some of the dams are perfect, uh, you know, where you can drop in at one put in point, float down, you know, have another car at the other side and go back up. Yeah. So who knows? I don't, disc- I never say never anymore. I've, I've learned my lesson on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Are you, you were in what, North Carolina?
2: North Carolina, right on the line. I'm just a few miles from the South Carolina line,
0: yeah. Oh, okay. So, you're in South North Carolina. Yeah. So, what's the weather like out there right now?
2: Well, it was. cold today? It got cold today. Yeah, uh, I think it's going down to 39 tonight. Uh, Yeah. yeah. uh, So, yeah, it it got really bad windy. I was going to fish this morning. That was the plan. Got out and. The 8 to 10 mile an hour wind was 12 to 15, and I decided yeah. to work on some stuff here in the studio and get some stuff shot. So, you know, we had nice temperatures, highs, mid-70s, mid-80s, or lower 80s, overnight temperatures in the 60s. It's got our water temperature into the 60s now, uh, 67, 68 degrees, and it will be a little bit of a drop with this, you know, day or two of cold, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. We've got plenty of sunlight hitting the water and uh you know it's cloudless so i think we'll be fine fishing's still gonna we've had
0: extremes here man it went from being 80 to 40 to 70 to 50 and now 80 and back down i mean it's going and when that happens everything just shuts down you know but Uh, yeah we have a week of consistent 50s all next week uh and i'm gonna try to get out now the problem with that too is that the bait drops it, it'll be on the surface and it'll drop 20 30 feet you know it'll drop oh, wow. all the way down in the lakes and it makes it yeah. tough because i pitch a 10 foot cast net um and i'm new at that so i couldn't tell you what the little diameters i, I don't know man i just right. throw it somebody told me to buy this kind and so i bought it so i'm very green at this i haven't been now i haven't i've been on the catfish thing for a long time and granted when i first started catfishing um, It was off the bank and I, I didn't know any better. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So now that I have a way of targeting these fish, like I did bass, I'm very, very intrigued by it and stuff. So
2: yep.
0: um, this time of year, when the weather is so up and down, it's not steady. How are you targeting these fish?
2: I drag baits, trolling. Uh, covering the water is the best way. I'm trying to get on some flatheads right now. This is when they're waking up, they're starting to bite. And when I'm doing that, i make anchored up usually around some kind of structure, whether it be trees yeah. laid in on the water's edge or stuff that I know is underwater, you know, old bridges that they've imploded or something like that. Uh, but most of the time what's working right now is these fish are kind of all over and dragging big flats adjacent to river channels is working real good. Uh, and that's kind of the thing that's 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 working uh the flatheads are hit or miss still uh yeah i went out a couple days picked off two or three of them and then can't get hit on anything so um i like anchoring i like anchoring when i'm targeting specific tight areas uh but it's hard to beat drifting especially when you got 20 mile an hour winds like we do we've got big drift socks i guess you guys can use those too
0: we can for Uh,
2: sure yeah yeah um and I use that to slow the boat down. I try to keep everything around 0. 0.5 when you're dragging baits like that. And,
1: yeah,
2: you know, fish some of them suspended, some of them, you know, bumping on the bottom with the sandy rig. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of kind of my tactic. I watch some of kayak catfishing. Uh, oh, yeah. Or kayak you know, catfish. Justin I Johnson, yeah. Yeah, I, I love watching his stuff. And, you know, he does a lot of, you know, basically vertical fishing, parking on top of them that way. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's the and I see guys trolling for catfish too in the kayaks, you know, using yep. the paddles or the motors and stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of my tactic right now. Uh, and if we've got water release going on, we don't have big rivers. We've got short runs between dams. Uh, a lot of times I'll try to play those, especially now if it's a warm day, usually there's a water release in the afternoon for power generation and try getting set up on some of those, especially right when they crank up. And, yeah. uh, but that's kind of that's kind of my mo here in the springtime
0: yeah justin catches some monster fish man and and i think he's a guy that kind of gets hated on a little bit because they say
2: that does really some
0: people yeah you know which and and these are all just like in the comments of his videos and stuff like yeah, that and, yeah and of course when you're the guy catching monster fish day after day after day you're gonna you're gonna generate some heat there's just gonna be people yeah. who are gonna be jealous about that but um he uh man it seems like he lives in the catfish mecca because and it could just be the video world part of it because it seems like when you guys release these videos every time you go out you're laying a monster fish but it's not the case it's just you're not filming you're not editing the
2: videos where you skunk out yeah i mean that that's that's just part of you know television i guess and 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 doing stuff but he's in a great place he's on the tennessee river and that whole area through there is good fishing Um you know, the uh, Watts Bar, Chickamauga, Fort and all those areas. Great fishing, great flatheads. There's usually water flowing going on or water flow going on. Yeah. Sometimes too much out there. But, yeah, he's in a great place. And that's uh, interesting, he's got some haters. I always say on YouTube, you're nobody until you have haters. Because oh, when you, for sure. Because when you start out, it's your mom, your sister, your friends. They're all, oh, yeah, great video. You know, it's horrible. But once you get some haters you're reaching you know, you some got people at that point. Yeah. I think he
0: used, uh, I think he used a bass one time, maybe crappie. Oh man. And they went ape shit in the comments over that. They're like, that's illegal to use. And, and you know, and he even cited in his videos, Hey, it's just, I'm within my right to do that. But as soon as he started using those, uh, those fish boy for bait, man, they, they went crazy on him about that. So that's kind of, have you ever used bass? I've never used bass for bait. I never would have thought about that.
2: Yeah. I've used the spotted bass that we got out here yeah. and yeah, they, they work, you know, they're fine. They're legal here. They're legal in Tennessee. A yep. lot of states are not legal in, it, and that's what I tell people. I go across the line into South Carolina, you can't use any game fish except for bluegill. So you got to pay attention to the laws. The other thing is, I mean, I'm not going to go, it's like those spotted bass. I use those because they're trying to eradicate them. They're invasive yeah. to begin with. And, you know, like I said, every one of them's 12, 13 inches long, and there's so many of them; they're all that size. And I, you know, if you're going to use, you know, I wouldn't be killing three, four, or five pound fish. I think that's kind right. of a waste. But, you know, crappie, same way, crappie, depending on what part of the country you're <laughs> from, uh, sure. those are legal here, uh, not illegal across the line, legal in Tennessee. Uh, you know, they're, I usually use the one. I don't. This is a good time of the year to use crappie. I will say that because it's like with bass, they're Bank spawners—they start heading up towards shallower water, and yeah. it's a—it's a good bait. Usually, what I do is I catch a limit of them, fillet them, keep the carcass, put those in a bag, freeze them, and I take those carcasses what that have been filleted with the head attached, and I take those fishing. So,
0: interesting
2: good bait it's good bait yeah that's a little yeah. secret that's a little secret right there if you can use those that's good bait
0: so are are you a secret giver do you kind of like keep things to yourself because
2: Chris- I there, there are no secrets I don't believe there yeah. are I, I I think the the secrets are the people who are new and naive uh, everything especially like around here our lakes 100 years old there, yeah. there is no secret hole everything's been fished uh you know there are some places that will do good but then you know seven out of ten times you're not going to do good i don't really think there's any secrets there's nothing that hasn't been done the biggest secret change anything and even the you know cats out of the bag with it is the you know navionics app on your phone you don't even need to buy the mapping card anymore you can use your phone that software probably as far as game changers goes uh you know, that's that's game changer, but that's not even a secret anymore. I pretty much, you know, I'm pretty much an open book. I actually have yeah. had people message me and get mad because I do a video on fishing someplace and they're, you know, they'll get in there and they'll look at the sun in the background and pull out their phone and Google Earth and figure out where I'm fishing. And they get mad when they don't catch something. And, you know, what they don't take into account is... Is that they really go that far into it? Oh, absolutely. I've had, oh my goodness, triangulate exactly where you're sitting at and everything. And, and then, you know, message me, well, I fished that exact area and then catch any fish. I go, well, I shot that six weeks ago and there were totally different conditions going on then. And that was a great (laughs) place then, but the water's way too hot to be there now or something. So, you know, there's everything gets fished. There's all kinds of places out there. So. Yeah, what were you uh, were you getting ready to mess Chris, uh, mention Chris mention Chris
0: Uh Yeah, but actually I don't remember why. Now what were okay. we? Um,
2: I think it was on the secrets question. I didn't. Know oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, he's he- an
0: open book. Like I've I've never seen anybody pour as much out publicly as he has, and you know, and his mindset was I'm doing it for the conservation of the fish and if i don't talk about them there's a chance that these fish could get eradicated you know what i mean so i thought that was really interesting because i've i've always in in the bass world it's closed lip Mm -hmm. now the flip side of that is unless you tournament fish and and you're thinking okay if people are tournament fishing and they're doing these online tournaments that their secrets would be kept to themselves but it's not the case because there's always somebody monitoring the tournaments and when they're monitoring your submissions they know exactly where you caught them because it's gps coordinated and they they look at that so then you know the yada yada and you imagine the drama that's around about that oh yeah oh yeah it gets it gets nasty but i'm seeing that in the catfish world especially with the competitive catfish world i don't see as much drama as there is in the bass world with kayak and i know (laughs) i know you're not a kayaker so you wouldn't kind of see oh, that but you I'm... you
2: haven't you haven't looked hard enough oh my
0: goodness
2: <laughs> yeah uh, it... the running joke is whenever something gets started in one of our things is there's just as much drama here as there is in the bass world that's what oh the, yeah, God, it's, that's it's everywhere it's in the walleye fishing world it's in the striper fishing world it's in saltwater fishing It's everywhere. And it's, you know, a lot of it's, there's some envy, there's some jealousy. All of that plays into a part of it. And, you know, that's just, that's just human nature. I think you, you can't, you can't let that stuff beat you down, is what it comes down to. And you
0: know who I think the Jedi master of dealing with that stuff is? Catfish Dave
2: yeah
0: yeah he's yeah, gotta yeah. because that dude he he i gotta have him on here first of all because yeah. when it comes to fishing but from the bank i don't think anybody touches him yeah but um he's also he knows how to stir that pot and he knows how to just poke those guys right back and it's freaking hilarious
1: but yeah.
0: he he's also been a guy where he's caught fish and they've pinpointed where he was and went and oh, yeah. and fish the hell out of a spot, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that's the bad, you know, he fishes in a great, he's on the Tennessee River too and, yeah. you know, he, he's, he's got great access, that 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 entire area, there's plenty of access areas that you can fish. The bad part is, if you're from there, eh, you kind of know where every one of them's at and it's kind of yeah. easy to figure out what's going on and where you're at, especially if you fish any during the daylight, if you're out there. But even at dark, you can figure out pretty much where he's at and stuff. So it, uh, it, it, you know, that's just, that's fishing. But, I, you know, again, I think it's always been that way. Uh, there's probably yeah. more pressure now. I've always asked that question, you know, is the internet a good thing or a bad thing? You know, it's great for information. It's great for spreading knowledge. It's, you know, it's also great for burning spots, locations, areas. Yeah. And I guess it's like what Siders was alluding to is that there's a trade-off. And you got to, I look at it as, I see it as a platform to educate people about mm-hmm. conservation, renewable resource. I'd rather, and I've always said, I'd rather teach them how to catch a big fish so they would have the confidence to go catch one. Because that way, I think people are less likely, I know I was, to have to kill it, throw it in the back of the car and drive it all over to all your friend's house. If you know you're going to go catch one again, you know you can do it again. You know you have the ability to do it you're much more likely, I hope, I think, to put that fish back so you can go catch it again. Somebody else can, and that's kind of my thinking on it. So I try to keep it on the positive side of all the – there's enough negative out there. There's a lot of great stuff from the internet. I've learned a lot from uh, watching videos and, you know, listening to podcasts. So there's a trade-off.
0: Well, you're kind of one of the authorities now because, I mean, you have a big – popular YouTube channel 21,000 you're at the CAFERS conferences there's people that line up to see you um, so how was how did you get into the YouTube thing where you just hey, I just want to film this one day and upload it and and if so how did it become so big
2: yeah well it's I've had videos up for a long time I used to be on what we had a um, there was a a website uh, it was a, a forum a fishing forum some of y'all will remember that yeah. It was Catfish 1, and I would, put I, videos, yeah, I would put videos up there. That was the reason I put videos on YouTube to begin with. It was basically show efficient It was nothing like I do now, and just a single camera pointed at me uh, recording. And then I changed something, tried to make them a little bit. I always said, because I do video production for a living, I don't want to make this into a job. I don't want to do this, you know, hardcore, full-time, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know, something a couple of years ago snapped. I think it was when we cut the cord on cable TV and satellite TV. I started streaming YouTube because I never really watched YouTube that much. Yeah. And I started seeing some fishing videos and I started seeing stuff that I liked. It was actually good stuff. I think, six, seven, eight years ago, the stuff was kind of, eh, there wasn't that much good stuff, but I started seeing good stuff, you know, black tip H what they do, you know, oh, um, he is
0: amazing.
2: Yeah. You know, higher end production stuff going on. Uh, you know, Tom Rowland was putting his saltwater stuff up, you know, there's that kind of stuff. My buddy, Steve Douglas, who had fish tournaments against, you know, had a channel was looking nice. You know what? I may try this. So we kind of put together a little, I should call it business plan. I told my wife, I said, we'll try it for two years. And, I said if we can you know just try it for two years get it out and you know set some benchmarks and what we tried to do and we hit that and now I'm a little over three years into it and trying to expand it with the podcast and you know the uh social media presence and all that kind of stuff so that's kind of how it happened and I'm trying to separate myself from everybody else not to be any better or all that much different but just so i don't look the same as everybody else so it's kind of why i've got some of this stuff i do a lot of stuff from the studio here i try to do a live show once a week now now that i'm technically unemployed because of everything (laughs) going on with the coronavirus i've got a bunch of time so i'm committing a bunch of time to it nothing else to do and yeah we'll just see what happens getting to the next level with it and keep on going keep on cranking and trying to get better and more informative and yeah that's kind of the the plan
0: your videos are different from a lot of other people's and uh i think that's you definitely have a unique touch to them because you have the studio because your storytelling is not it's not exact you don't exaggerate on it um and you just walk through it but you do it in a way where it's not really in your face it's not bragging it's just very informative. It's very yeah. educational. And it's just you telling a story. People were drawn to that because you can tell by the amount of views you got. Yeah.
2: Um, I so, think that's a compliment. So thank you.
0: No, it is. It, <laughs> it is absolutely a compliment because it's it's just not your typical YouTube video you see. It's not a chest harness, it's not a GoPro on top of the head or one hanging from your boat. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's nice, and your live videos are real nice too, man. So I just, you know, hats off to you on that. You definitely have thank the you. touch. Thank
2: you. Um,
0: You mentioned being laid off and in the, in the videography world. So what exactly do you do?
2: Well, we have a small video production business, provide camera crews for a big part of it is providing camera crews for like ESPN, NASCAR, uh, that cover basketball games, football games, NASCAR races. Oh wow. And yeah. And then we do, you know, corporate industrial videos, also process videos, how to make a insulated pipe cover for a truck or something like that. But yeah, the, biggest thing the biggest impact was we just we had got done doing the sec women's basketball tournament we're getting ready to go into march madness acc tournament final four stuff yeah and literally within like it was in a three four day period boom everything we're canceling canceling postponing can- canceling and it came to a screeching halt. Oh, so, man. So it's like totally, and even the industrial corporate stuff, uh, you know, nobody's doing any of that right now. So it's one of those things that at some point will come back around. Uh, yeah. But for now, it's, you know, screeching halt. So it's a weird place. And it's a weird place for, I mean, all of America. If you don't have like, yeah. a, if you're not in the healthcare business, or if you're not a government worker, you're somehow getting hit by my buddies in construction they're doing great but once all those construction loans are gone you know everybody's getting hit generally at some way so there's people a lot worse than i am and i thank god that you know i'm where i'm at and could be a lot worse you know i think about the healthcare workers that are facing that stuff every day and it's just, uh, it's it's crazy. We actually have been watching my wife's nieces for three weeks. Their mom is a ER nurse in Tennessee, and she basically, while she was doing this deal she was doing, just wanted the kids gone, and uh, we did that for three weeks, and they actually just went back. She got tested. She's fine. Didn't contract anything. Oh, good. So, good,
0: good,
2: Yeah, good. so, so yeah, yes, it could be a lot worse, and hey, there's people dying during this, so let's face it. it I know. It could be worse.
0: We have, uh, we had a guy on my kayak team, um, it was an ER nurse and he came down with it
2: and mm-hmm. wasn't
0: doing good, but then 360, now he's back at work and fine. He just, you know, he said it was bad. It was a, it was a really bad flu, but he got through it, you know? And,
2: yeah.
0: And I'm, I'm feeling kind of hopeful about the whole situation. Cause now mm-hmm. I'm he- hearing that everything was kind of overshot and that we're rebounding a lot better than what we were. And so mm-hmm. I'm thinking in the next maybe three or four weeks, we may be back up for business.
2: Now, what did they do in your area as far as boat ramps, access areas? Did you guys get shut down or not really?
0: No, okay. I mean we we still uh, there's still some of them are open, some of them are not. Like the campground area is completely yeah. shut off. that's to keep people from going there. We have a boat, which is my favorite boat ramp because it's access to the river. Um, so um, but here in the lakes, you know, guys got the big power boats. It doesn't matter what ramp they use, they they could just haul ass over to where they want to go. Yeah. But for me, it's like I got to pinpoint where I want to go. Um, of course I can go across the lake I want, but it may take me an hour to, to pedal two miles or a mile over there. You know what I mean? So it's a little different for me, but, um, yeah, everything's still open. We still have the rivers. I live right. I mean, I can hit the Ohio river with a golf ball. The problem with Ohio is the frigging weather and the rain, dude. And we just get smashed with rain all the time. So everything's always blown out, you know? Yeah. Um, ohio makes great anglers i will say that because you really <laughs> have to grind and get some fish <laughs> and you really have to learn how to fish uh, muddy water you know what yeah. i mean so um it's it's uh, in the kayak world we've had a few champs from ohio that won a lot of money you know so it's they make good anglers up here but
3: yeah
0: um so your youtube channel i'm i'm guessing that's pretty good revenue right now right with something thousand followers
2: no, it's not. No. You know, I, I, I'm not ready to go. I'm not going back into the video video <laughs> world. Uh, you know, the thing is with, again, it's more about the views than it is the follow or followers. I've had, you know, there's, there's some months where your views can blow up because of whatever video and you don't need a lot of, you don't need a lot of subscribers to do that. It's, i don't know i guess the best way to, it's never good enough my wife says i keep moving the goalposts so you know when you're mm. trying to get a thousand subscribers you know it's like man if i can just get a thousand it's great and then you get there it's like i really need 10 you know and i'm very guilty of that it's like it's yeah. never gonna be good enough. enough or whatever you know uh you know that's where you have to have, uh, again perspective and you gotta sit back and be thankful and grateful and take a look around and go you know what there's some people I know that have been hung at you know twelve hundred subscribers for two or three years so you know I it it's good I want it to be better uh, yeah. you know and I just I want the whole Dieter millhorn fishing brand to be bigger than just YouTube and really become more of a marketing tool for some companies and some brands. so yeah. a lot of that is just stuff that, I've learned and been around in NASCAR world because it's kind of almost a parallel there in some of the marketing, cross marketing stuff. So, so yeah, I'm happy, but I'm still I still want it better and want more. I want to do better video, better content, Tell better stories. That's another thing, trying to make a, a, a you know craptastic day of catching nothing into something that's a story. that, that means to me anybody, and I've seen some, I've seen John B and some people do videos to where fishing sucked. I mean, it was not good fishing, but they put yeah. together one heck of a story and the whole process. So, uh, I think that's that's what I want to strive to do more of: <clears throat> make some of these mundane fishing trips into something either educational or entertaining. And that's kind of the stuff that I need to get focus more and more on i actually watch a lot of the bass fishing youtube stuff because <laughs> i think there's some of those uh guys that you know they do some good stuff and they put together yeah. some good videos there's a lot more it, i say it's a lot it's there's a lot more big time youtubers in the bass world than there is in the catfish world uh because i think just a lot more people you know pursue bass i think that's the yeah the i mean almost yeah, it almost seems like that's the one that people kind of go to first when you're mm. like, I'm going to go fishing. That's what they think of. Uh, but let's see, I mean, it's mainstream. You know, it was on ESPN, you know, ESPN on bass for a while. And, uh, you know, very much into, it's close to pop culture as you're going to get with fishing outside of Deadliest Catch. And yeah, you have to, you have to die to do that. So. You have
0: to die, but, exactly. Big Tuna, that one's taken off pretty well.
2: Yeah, that's, you know, some of those, you know, the, yeah. the Alex show stuff, so yeah that's kind of it's kind of what I'm doing just keep scratching and digging and trying to get better
0: sure weighs on your self-confidence a little bit man because you gotta even if the fishing trip suck like you say you got to figure out how to tell a story and you're like man what about me is so captive that's going to keep these people's attention for 10 or 15 minutes you know
2: yeah and it's it's it is a emotion uh, anytime you get into trying to build any brand on social media it's an emotional up and oh, down roller coaster sure. with, you know, you get something going and somebody hits you up with a brand deal and you're like, cool, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then you put out this video and it, it tanks and nobody watches it. And yep. meanwhile, you look at somebody else's channel and something they did, it's got 30,000 views in the first six hours, you know, it's like, boop, boop, but that's life man that's just that's just the way it is that's what keeps uh you know it's like well it's probably like fishing you know and and that most of the time you're not catching but boom when you catch one you get that endorphin release you get that little victory and that's that's what keeps you coming back to do it again and it's almost like i've made a game out of it a competition with me not anybody else you know people ask me like Well, it looks like so and so's got more subscribers than you or something. And honestly, I don't, I don't even keep up with mine, much less anybody else's, because it's what they're doing really doesn't affect what you're doing. You kind of playing your own game out there. It's almost like going and playing golf. You, somebody may do better, but you have no control over making them do worse and they can't make you do worse. It's all your own game. So that's, A different mental approach to it i guess is what you gotta have
0: your view count had a skyrocket with this epidemic right i mean people stuck at home
2: well that's a good question because yes the views have went up significantly Mm -hmm. i don't know how much of that is that and seasonal there is a seasonality to the catfish Mm. world and i don't know if that's true in the bass world too with guys that have channels but there is some seasonality that i've trended over the past three years and i'm kind of a numbers metrics geek when it comes to that stuff starting about march things start trending up huh. uh i think people are it's time to get fishing weather's getting more i'm getting interested in it again you know yep. they start adding the fact that a bunch of people are stuck at home and well you add in the fact that i'm doing a video every other day that helps <laughs> too so uh so yeah it's uh you know there's there's more i think that's partially seasonal partially YouTube, uh, our, uh, the everything going on with people stuck at home. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff for them to watch out there. So just try to crank out something that's interesting to them.
0: So do you script out all your channels? I saw that you held up that paper and you said just you had it typed
2: did, out. I, I just started doing that. Uh, I did one, another one, notes. Sound, these are what I call my little sound bites I put together to tie stuff together. Uh, I did one yesterday. There's another one where I scripted it out. Nice. These this was way too much to do perfectly and no, I'm not going to put that prompter up. I've got a prompter deal for my iPad and I refuse to do it. I'm not going that hardcore, <laughs> uh, but I started doing it the other day on the video that I needed some specific stuff that I needed to get in there. And it yeah. makes my <clears throat> editing process a lot easier. Uh, depending on what I'm doing, I can go in like this was one, it was an interview with a guy from Pipeline Tackle that do real repairs They're down in mm-hmm. Alabama, and shot an interview with them at the Catfish Conference, which is our Catfish Industry Trade Show. And, you know, I strung together their sound bites, and I needed something to tie it together. So I wrote down specifically what I needed. I come here in the studio and track it, go back, drop them in, and it makes what could be a big pain in the butt a lot quicker and a lot easier. Yeah. So, so I'm doing a little more of it.
0: That's kind of what I heard, man. When you're making YouTube videos, you want to film. Uh, you want to film to edit, I guess, if I'm saying that correctly, because you don't want a bunch of crap yeah. footage that you got to edit through. You want it to be concise and spot yeah. on to eliminate editing. Yep,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh, in the real TV world, we call it shoot to edit. So,
0: yeah,
2: uh, you know, the one thing I get a lot of crap for is everybody wants to see takedowns. That's what everybody likes in the catfish world. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. To do that, you have to roll cameras continuously. And yep. it would take on my boat two cameras because of the way the rod spread is to actually see a good takedown. And I've just never done it uh, because it would be hours and hours of footage or you have to roll it on a loop. And then if you put mm-hmm. it on a loop and you forget to hit stop, then it doesn't record it, it records back over it. Uh, so yeah, you're dealing with a lot of a lot of footage, uh, especially on the fishing stuff. with mine has gotten worse and worse and worse. We, I had my son out a couple weeks ago and we had three cameras. We had a chesty on him. We had what I call the pole camera. And then I had one handheld and had all that footage dragged into a timeline, trying to cut back and forth between. And I was like, what has my world become? This used to be so simple. One camera on a sticky mount on my boat motor, just a wide shot. It was so simple. Life was easy. Yeah. Now you're syncing up audio from all these cameras and you know but it looks good and once you get everything set it's easy to get a lot of quick shots in there because that's the one thing with youtube most people most videos you need a quick shot count a relatively quick shot count mm-hmm. Some people can get by catfish dave his stuff it's a very static locked off shot okay yeah I don't think I'm captivating enough for that to work. So and half
0: his face is always out of the video when he's talking face, too.
2: Yeah, he's always like <laughs> over here. Somewhere. Uh, but you know, that's a a, a, a shtick, if you will, that works for him. And yep. you know, if I try to do it, or you know, if somebody else tries to do it, it's gonna look like you're trying to do that again. And yep. it's just it, it, at some point, it's gonna become oh, it's another guy doing exactly what he's doing. And You know, so you got to kind of find your own way somehow, which is tough. That is the toughest part, and I don't know that you can plan it. Sometimes you just have to stumble into it. Uh, It's kind of like with the way mine's evolved, too. It's either going to work or it's not. It's something I like, something I'm comfortable with, and, you know, hopefully it resonates with some people and you know for sure it work, does
0: so, it, it's so. not hopefully it, it for sure does but yours yeah. is simple but complex like your your studio yeah. setup simple but you have complex equipment and the editing is somewhat complex because at the end of your videos you're kind of nodding to a few side links but those side yeah. links are, are playing you know our videos and i was like yeah. that's that's clean it's clean uh, unless but
2: complex. unless unless i forget to put the end screen insert in there at the end of it and then somebody sends me a message and goes yeah, your videos aren't the end of not <laughs> at like spaces. so uh, yeah, there's so, but yeah, it's a it's a challenging it's it's a cool challenge, and I think with me doing it in the real world, and that's the thing that people are like, man, your stuff should be good cause you do this in the real world, but in the real world, all I do is run a camera. Yeah. Uh, we've got a sound guy that takes care of all the audio issues. I, I, I never worry about audio. We've got lighting guys that light like stuff. We've got producers that make sure the story's told. We get all the shots for story, interviews people, you know, a lot of stuff. ESPN or you got professional talent that is on camera. They do everything. And somebody in, you know, New York is booking travel. So hotels, everything. When it's Dieter Melhorn fishing, it's me doing all of that stuff. So it's. Uh, you can't do anything really really good you're kind of the uh jack of all trades master of none on that sometimes i get a chance to do something that's cinematic and looks pretty and all that but most of the time you got to get the content and you got to get it into the time window and you know that's yeah that's the fun of it
0: well, it's enjoyable, man. Your your stuff's good. You got great content. You tell a good story, and you got informational stuff in there, man. So I know it's helped thousands and thousands of people to learn this sport, especially me, because I'll binge watch it. It's one video after another, after another, after another. So
2: you watch um, all the ads. You watch all the ads too, right? Oh, every one of them. Trying to click on them so that. you get
0: that revenue. I just you that's know, what I
2: said. That's it. That's <laughs> what I want
0: to hear. Fall asleep with my remote <laughs> in my hand, clicking on your stuff. Hey, um. So, do you target flatheads and blues the same way or do you target them differently?
2: Differently. If I'm, I mean, pretty much fishing for blues is going fishing for catfish. Yeah. Flatheads, sometimes you'll get them in the same places. Uh, but I try to find structure for flatheads. I'm trying okay. to find, you know, whether it be bridge piles, brush piles. Uh, mm-hmm. Anybody that crappie fishes knows where you know, everybody's got their secret stash of brush piles. Those are great places to catch flatheads. Uh, I fish around those things. Uh, those fish are around there. There's there's so much stuff around there besides the crappie. You know, depending on time of the year, bluegill are off deeper water. Mm-hmm. They're around that brush. So it's a it's a good feeding zone for them. And then on the banks, especially now, this time of the year for an, another month or so, there's going to be a lot of flatheads caught on the banks uh, just because you've got bass, bluegill, crappie all going up to Everything the Everything moving in. Yeah, so it's a good place to target. Interesting. Say, wow. You'll catch other fish in there, but yeah, uh, or other catfish, but that's kind of the difference. You know, occasionally you'll catch some flatheads and some open water something, something somewhere, but yeah, a lot of times if you go back and look in any detail, there have been some places what I thought was open water. And when you went back and look at it with side scan or structure scan, you'd go, Oh, there's a tree there, or there was a tree. 20 feet off to one side Mm -hmm. that you didn't see when you came over it or a small little rock pile or something like that. So usually that's where they're going to be at. And, you know, they just seem to like to lay up in that stuff for whatever reason.
0: Interesting. And you said riverbed, you said you fish water adjacent to riverbeds. So do you find that they travel up and out, up and down the rivers a lot more out into the lakes to feed and back up the rivers or. I think a lot of, I, I
2: don't I think the thing is on the flats, my thesis on the whole thing is is that bait fish whatever bait you're Mm -hmm. whether you're talking about schools of perch schools of crappie or or threadfin shad gizzard shad there's something in that water column, something in that depth whether it be oxygen content temperature or something that those fish like in that certain depth so say that's Mm. you know say that's you're on a flat and it's 24 foot flat next to a you know 30 40 foot river channel maybe it's 20 feet in that flat where those fish are and i think there's fish underneath their feeding and uh, i also think another part of my thesis on some of these flats especially the ones on the outside of river bends, uh, is i think there's a lot of mussels muscle beds clam beds in those areas because yeah. again this is all my just theorizing here is that before that lake was dammed up when stuff would flood, those outer edges usually had stuff washed out into it. It's got debris, sediment, and all that kind of stuff, which should provide minerals and all that kind of stuff that mussels and clams and all those things would mm-hmm. want. So, I think some of those places are more prone to have mussel beds in them. So, kinda like, fishing, Yeah, kind of like fishing on the upper end of like an island or a split in a river somewhere. Usually there's a lot of clam mussel deposits in those areas. So, Okay. Yeah, so little huh, that's interesting, like that.
0: man. I know yeah. the smallmouth here in our rivers, they love the tiger mussels. I think it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they, they eat those up when a smallmouth fish, so we have a um, we have a lot of tributaries that dump out into the Ohio, and then we have a lot of rivers that dump out into the lake. So, you know, those specific areas I'm going to be pinpointing this year as well. Um, that's interesting. So, the thing I find most diverse when talking to people as well is tackle. Mm-hmm. Size of rods, braid or mono? What size mono? What what uh, brand of mono? What brand? I mean, it gets it's it can be dizzying. Now you have the same mm-hmm. freaking thing in the bass world, which oh, I've yeah. grown to love. But I love and I stick to that. But mm-hmm. going back to the catfish world, I'm torn. Do I run braid to mono or braid to fluoro or do I run straight mono? And am I doing Slime Line or am I going, you know, the Whisker Seeker brand, which I heard is smaller in diameter, but it has better abrasion resistance. So I don't know. Ed, educate me on that.
2: Well, I can tell right there by what you said. You've already overthought it. It's a lot <laughs> simpler than that. Now, I, I know what you're talking about. Everybody yeah. does it. Everybody tries to find that perfect combination and uh a lot of it is personal uh you know i use i i use andy line andy monofilament 30 pound monster line it's a good line i think cast well not a lot of memory to it handles abrasion very good uh i use the high vis yellow because when i'm trolling and i got multiple lines six to eight lines out it helps to see more lines are, all that kind of stuff uh i have found for that type of fishing braid is horrible because uh, when it, you know, how braid is, when it gets tangled yeah. with another line, it's pretty much a knot, take the scissors to it and it's gone. Monofilament, the bigger mono, you can massage out. Uh, the yeah. other thing is to get that same diameter that you can finagle with braid. You're up to 60, 80 pound line and I don't want 60 or 80 pound braid on a reel that's designed for 20 pounds. So again, that's for my style of fishing. Now, if I was vertical fishing for fish, I would do like I do with crappie and perch rods and I would be using braid because I want to feel the bite. I want to feel, I want to feel when they hit it. Now they're not like a crappie that's going to just pop it. You're going to feel it. But yeah. I want to feel the bottom too. If I'm bouncing on, you know, a silty bottom or if I'm on a rock bottom, if I'm trying to drop something next to a tree, it telecasts up braid a lot better. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those things, I, I, it, it's a lot of it's personal here. You're not going to go wrong. It's what it comes down to when it comes to fishing line. And I say the same thing for fishing rods too. Um, uh, I had done a lot of stuff with big cat fever and catch the fever rods uh-huh. when My channel first started. And this year I started with a mix of rods. I've got a B and M rod here. Some of the catch the fever. I've got some of the green ones, the slime cat rods, trying those out. They yeah. all work. They all catch fish. Uh, they all will catch fish There's None of them you're going to fish with and go, This rod is hideous. I can't stand it. There's little nuances between all of them that I like the tip action on this one better, or this one's got a longer, you know, butt on it, it fits better, that kind of thing. So I don't think there's a lot that can go really, really wrong when it comes to, you know, the catfish tackle and the catfish rods. Now, when you start mixing bass rods, graphite rods, that type stuff, into that world. Yeah. Uh that might get a little iffy on some of that stuff. I think some of the bass rods, especially the lighter ones are probably good for bottom bouncing is what we call it in the catfish world where you're floating a river or trolling up a river. And you'll see Bill dance when he does usually his catfishing shows, that's what he's doing. He's doing a bottom bouncing technique where you're just walking those baits around on the bottom. Those lighter bass rods are probably well suited for that. These things over here, if you've been bass fishing and you know, casting 12, 1500 times a day, your arm would fall off with these heavy things sure. you know, those lighter rods i think would and i've i actually just taped a podcast with uh lyle stokes from catfish weekly last night he builds custom rods and he builds bouncing rods and mm. you know a lot of stuff that he does is you know gets into some of the graphite rods and you know that kind of thing they're a lot lighter a lot more sensitive uh, but you know how that is from the bass fishing world. You can snap sure. the tip off of them, too. Um, really, to kind of, Yeah, what kind of hook sets you do. I so. know.
0: I have $500 worth of broken rods sitting downstairs right now. Because when you're on a kayak, you uh, you hit it with what's called a high stick.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you snap the tips off all the time. So, wow. if, if a rod can survive a kayak angler's um, ordeal, then they'll survive anything. You know, because we're not is, easy on our gear.
2: Is there a use for broken rods? Uh, I have some. The only thing I can find is you cut (laughs) all the guides off of them, and it's great for, like, fishing a wire through a hole area on your boat to get a wire up (laughs) or something or running something through a wall. There's got to be a home for rods with broken tips because if they get broke too far back, you can't really put a a, a switch yeah uh,
0: i yeah. don't think we're allowed to do that anymore and that was back when i was a kid you can't switch your kids no more but yeah no there's really nothing i just sit and stare out and be like am i a moron or are these guys geniuses because they just got yeah. five hundred dollars off of me and i got five broken rods so i wonder yeah. wonder what's going on here scratching my head but i found out man that i don't like the broomstick any kind of broomstick rod i absolutely hate because i love the fight and i love the feel i yeah. use braid for the same reason you said i like to the feel but i also i don't cast it i drop it and yeah. I'm always drift fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And with yeah. me, I can get tight to cover, drop, and back off. It's stealthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that really works to my advantage as well. But yeah, interesting stuff, man. So we're, uh, well, we just hit the one hour mark. I guess it's time to start winding down. Tell us where we can find you out on social media.
2: Well, the easiest thing to do is just go to my website, DeeterMelhornFishing.com. And when you get to the website, there's links to the YouTube channel, There's links to the podcast. uh, There's links to the gear section on the website links to uh, Instagram and the Facebook fishing page. So I don't do Twitter. Well, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really do Twitter and I don't do TikTok. You're
0: not a TikToker, man? I had not Everybody's going TikTok.
2: I know. (laughs) And I got to, you know, I kind of skipped right over. uh, What was the other one? Uh, 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 Oh, the yellow icon. I skipped up. snapchat i, I never yeah. could figure out how to play that game plus i think my demographic is probably not the uh, best for it but yeah dieter millhorn fishing.com and you can hit me on there send me messages there's a contact section so that's the best way to go
0: so what do we have in in the uh, future in the near future for dieter Melhorn fishing anything coming up
2: uh well there's a bunch of videos coming out a lot more with the podcast stuff. I'm doing more and more guests on the podcast, like you're doing, I kind of played yeah. around with it and was just doing solo stuff, a few guests, but it's pretty much going to be all guests from now on. It's a lot yeah. more interesting to listen to somebody else talk than me. For and, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just, uh, expand some fishing. I wonder some places I want to go, but right now with everything locked down the way it is, it's not the best time to go. So yeah, it'll just be more and more content, better content and telling some good fishing stories
0: absolutely do we uh any chance we see a Dieter Melhorn fishing uh, uh fishing rod coming out
2: I'll never say never but with so many fishing rods out there on the market uh it's one of the things we're talking about in the podcast I'll take with all there's a lot of them out there and yeah. the market's kind of saturated and uh you know I, I'll be perfectly honest I don't know of anything that I could do better uh that you can't already go buy. So, you know, outside yeah. of just branding and totally selling something like crazy and trying to push it and market it is, uh, I don't know, that's not in my wheelhouse. If that happens, it will be a partnership with a bigger tackle dealer. So, but I never say never. I've been bitten way too many times by that in my life.
0: <laughs> it's so, so have I. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure, man. I appreciate you coming on and I wish you the best of luck in the future and hopefully- um you get back to work soon man I and mean, hopefully everything will open back up that's kind of a double-edged sword for your audience because we're not going to see as that many videos but at the same yeah. time we want you to make a living
2: <laughs> yeah you know what they say uh tough times don't last tough people do so
0: absolutely all right sir it was a pleasure um i look forward to uh
3: talking with you in the future about some stuff man you take care do it again Go check out the website guys, paddle the letter N, and Also check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle If you got a question, comment, or want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram, at paddle and Fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak hammer lures fish mob lures trc covers catch products go to catchproducts.com you can put the paddle and fin logo right on your catchboard. don't forget to go over and pick up your jig master's jigs use promo code pnf20 and save 20 percent today don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to